Welcome back to Talk to My Assistant, everything you never wanted to know about being a Hollywood assistant. Look, I'm going to level with you. I think probably the hardest part about being an assistant is just actually landing the assistant job. Whether it's your first job or you're trying to transition to a new assistant job, it can be tricky. So this week, I sit down with an assistant who just applied for at least 40 jobs before switching from agency assistant to development assistant. Most of the jobs she applied for had three interviews. That's insane. Look, I was a film major, but even I can do the math and know that's over 100 interviews. So I thought, who better to guide us through that crazy process? She shares some crazy stories, including um, the time someone farted during an interview (laughs) and gives us some awesome tips. Also, if you're just breaking in and you're not sure where to start, or you're trying to make a transition and are having a bit of a tricky time, I just want to remind you to check out the coaching on my website. I can help you with your resume, walk you through the process, whatever you need help with. Also, please reach out through the website or social media and share your own crazy interview stories. Look, we all have them, and I'd love to share them anonymously on the podcast. Enjoy! This week's episode is sponsored by Robo Assist. Ever feel like, hey... A robot could do my job. Well, guess what? A robot could, and we're here to provide them. Order your customized robot assistant that looks almost exactly like you. Then set it up at your desk when you want to step away and go to the bathroom, when you have 103-degree fever and don't feel like going to the office, or if you just feel like taking a vacation. Visit RoboAssist.com to fill out the specifications Upload a picture and start getting your personal robot assistant made today. Warning, robot assistant does not look exactly like you. It looks kind of like you, but we figure your boss doesn't really know exactly what you look like anyways, so it works. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been redacted to protect the innocent. Graduated college, you worked in an agency. Did you interview at multiple agencies or did you just fall into that one? Yeah, so I was lucky because I lived in the San Francisco area. Uh-huh. So I could just come down and do interviews. So you moved home after graduation? Yeah, so I moved home. I started doing interviews in... July or maybe no end of June so I graduated May and then then you know applied whatever um my grandparents lived here so I could stay with them Mm -hmm. and yeah I interviewed at three different ones two of them were just in and out and then one of them I had to come down three times Three times? Yeah, so... That's crazy, because And that's my, the one I didn't get. <laughs> yeah, of course it's the one you didn't get. My agency interview was five minutes. <laughs> like, three times. It's like they're really checking to make sure you can deliver the mail. 
super well. Well, it's crazy because what do they even ask you in five minutes? You know, Nothing. They just talk at you and just try to scare you and see if you still want to do it. Yeah. And then everyone still wants to do it. Yeah. I'm sure some people drop out. The funny thing in my agency interview was he said he ended it with, let me think about it and let me know if you're still interested, which is a really weird way for the interviewer to end it. And I hadn't even gotten the opportunity to email him and say that I was still interested, which I was. I was just like, I'm not going to walk out the door and do it. And they called and offered me the job. Oh, my God. Which is so weird because, like, what if what if they scared me? So, I guess I could say no. So I just did an interview. Yeah. And I went in. We, we really hit it off. Um, I felt like I was on my A game, whatever. This is, like, the, the fourth round. And she says as I'm leaving, okay, let me know if you want it. I think that's the next step. Just just email me and 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 let me know if you want it. And I was like, that's a okay. mind game or something. Well, and I left and and I like called my mom. I was like, oh yeah, like I think I got it. She just said email her and 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 let her know. And so I emailed her. I was like, yes, like I do want it. Thank you so much. Like looking forward to hearing from you. And Did you get it? It was between me and two other people I had known, you know, prior. Um, from the, the manager I had interviewed with or whatever. And then two days went by and then I emailed him. I said, Hey, like, do we, do we know anything? And he said, Oh yeah. Like she went in a different direction. So, I mean, I didn't get it. And so I was, not only did she put it in your hands, but then she ignored you. Well, yeah. And then, and I, and I asked him, I said, Oh, do you have any feedback? for me whatsoever from her point of view whatever and he was like no no she she thought you were great you know I loved you I thought you'd be a great fit for the company best of luck like let me know if if I can call anyone for you wait so wait who was this guy so he was promoted to be a manager in, um, at the company okay. at this point but he was the former assistant or something he was like an assistant in the department he just got roped into helping with yeah yeah it's weird how that works too. Sometimes you're at an interview where the former assistant who had since moved to San Francisco and was not in the industry was like freelance screening people for the job, what? but hadn't worked for this lady at this company. That was like a red flag. That was a weird situation. It's so weird. Yeah. And then these assistants or lower level people or whatever love you yeah. or they don't love you. And it doesn't matter because they ma- don't have a say. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And then yeah. you go in and meet with whoever they're interviewing for. And it's like, I don't know. And yeah. the, the amount of interviews I've had where I've had to meet so many people prior to meeting this, whoever yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I'm going to answer the, the yeah. phones for, really, really tough stuff. Cool. Well, yeah, because I want to get into all that stuff. But I feel like we should give the people some background. The people are all my thousands of avid <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so you worked at an agency and then you ended up leaving the agency without having your new job already lined up, which is, was that pretty rare for your pool of people? Like when I worked at an agency, that was a rare thing to do. Not to call you out. <laughs> Great choices. <laughs> so I guess for me and at the agency I worked, it was very common for people to train their replacements before they had a job. So, like, not quit, but just 
hire a new assistant to work for their particular boss. Yeah, and especially if you had, you know, a nitpicky boss or if your department had, if there are just, like, little intricacies to your department or whatever. Right. And I worked in a in a pretty specific department. Right. Um, so it took a lot of time to train someone, per se. So, so And everyone in my department who has left or had had left, yeah. they trained someone before getting another job. So basically you decided that you wanted to look for another job and concurrently, and you were interviewing, I imagine, for other jobs. Yeah. And so then, and, sorry. And for me, okay. I, I started in November on my desk. I said I was going to do a year. Uh-huh. I wanted to wait for winter break because two paid, two weeks of, paid um yeah and hopefully a nice Christmas bonus yeah Yeah. I mean yeah so at the start of January I said I was going to start interviewing okay so you'd been a little over a year yeah so a little over a year and I was like oh my god I'm gonna get a job like tomorrow yeah I was and I was so cocky about it I was like oh my god I know all these people like it's fair that to a degree it was fair that you're cocky about it because that generally is how it works sometimes that came out really <laughs> rudely. What I mean is, For all I the listeners, I I've had a really hard time <laughs> getting a job. <laughs> uh, okay. What but, I mean to say is, you were seeing your peers get jobs quickly, so you wanted to be prepared. Yes. And from my point of view, every single job I sent my resume to, I got a call or an email yeah. that, that day or the next day saying, We'd love to bring you in. So you're getting positive feedback from. Yeah. And like the first two things I interviewed for I had um it was like a round three interview kind of thing so I was like oh I'm gonna get a job by the way that you had so many rounds like none of my jobs I I was like every one and done (laughs) every single job I have interviewed for has been at least three or four rounds and it's been between me and one other person or me and two other people that's crazy I mean it's a good sign for you you're like an excellent but it's number a, two. It's, yeah, it's like you're really great you're at being number two. At we, we would hire you, but there is always someone better than you. Maybe it's like you're too good. You know what I mean? Like you're so good that they want someone slightly less intimidating. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that must be it. That's 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 what I tell myself. Yeah. So. But I mean, yeah. So, so you started interviewing around January yeah so and I told my boss yeah the, f- the first interview I did yeah well I, I actually went and took that interview it was on the weekend so I didn't you know miss work or whatever right, it was on the weekend yeah because it was just with another assistant okay. um and I feel like that's just funny for people not yet in the industry to hear that you were like job interviewing on the weekend and oh, all that stuff. It's and so the, bizarre. The weekend afterwards, I had a 7 a.m. interview followed what? by a 9.30 a.m. interview. So my Saturday morning was so funny. Well, we'll get into okay, that. So at that very first interview, I met with the assistant and she kept on saying like, this is what you'll be doing. Yeah, people need to be really careful with the pronouns in interviews. Yeah. It gets me, too. Yeah, she was yeah. like, this is what you'll be doing. Um, and then she was like, okay, this is the next step, and this is the next step afterwards. Like, we're moving really quickly. We'd like to hire someone within the week. Um, 
in not so many words, you should talk to your boss. Yeah. So that Monday I went into work and I, I told him, he's like, oh, okay, that's great. Like, should we start looking for someone? And I was like, yeah, like we need to, we need to start looking for someone. Yeah. Um, and then I went in the, the second round for that interview and I was so excited about it, whatever. And then I ended up not getting it, but, and I told my boss and he said, okay, well, let's, you know, see what you want to do. Do you want to still start finding someone, um, to replace you, to replace me? You know, I don't want you to rush and take something. I really want you to wait for the perfect thing. So there was kind of that, oh, let's find someone. So I'm taken care of, but also I want you to be taken care of and and get the the right thing. But they were kind of working in contradiction to each other. Yeah. But at that point, did you have enough interviews or job opportunities coming up for you to feel confident that you were going to get one relatively soon? So that first one was a a dream job for me. Um, And then afterwards, for, for everyone who doesn't know, at these agencies, everyone is kind of just sending around yeah. job ops and I had friends at other agencies so I'd kind of get all that stuff yeah but I was very like no I'm too good for that no yeah. I didn't wait this long for that yeah so it's very picky but also it's interesting because when you leave your job at an agency you feel like you have to get the perfect next step because you've been slaving away at an agency for essentially the, I mean, learning, sure, but for the sole purpose of getting the next job, like the next job's supposed to matter. So you feel like you want to really make it count. Right. Yeah. And you also have so many resources when you're at an agency that you can call in. So you're like, while I have these resources, I want to get the best next job. So I don't think that's weird that you're picky. Yeah. And I think also from the, the conversations I had with my boss, he said, you know, I really want you to wait for the right thing. You've worked really hard. You you deserve the the thing that you want. Um, which, and you know, when people are responding so well to your resumes or your first interviews or whatever, I guess you kind of like get it in your head, I need the most perfect thing. Yeah, definitely. So then what happened? You found your placement? So it was kind of a slow process finding my replacement, but on my end, I guess I was kind of pushing it along because I was constantly being told, oh, we're going to hire someone next week, and I wanted to make sure my boss was taken care of. Because you're probably afraid that if you got a job but it wasn't lined up, then it was going to be... Yeah, I just, I I had a great um, relationship with my boss, and I wanted to make sure he was taken care of. Um, in all these places that you interview, they say, oh, we need someone ASAP. And then it's like a two-month-long process. But it's just funny. They always reiterate, "Yeah, we need someone like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and then three weeks later, you're like, oh, have you guys, you know, scheduled the next round? And they're like, no, we'll, we'll let you know next week when we're, yeah. when we're scheduling it. Yeah. So... <laughs> But, like, just walk me through the process of uh, replacing yourself. Or, yeah. Or so what, ha- what happened between leaving the agency and then? So, with replacing myself, 
my, I guess it was me and my boss kind of working together to talk to HR and say, we'll bring people in, even though I didn't know, you know, what my date was that I was leaving or whatever. And then he met with a few people over the weeks and didn't like any of them. He was picky. Yeah, he was picky. Um, And he wanted someone who had a job previously. Because at the agency I worked, there were a lot of external hires. So not people from the mailroom. Yeah, a lot of people were were from um, the outside outside world. <laughs> were they assistants elsewhere? Or? Yeah, assistants elsewhere, just like entry-level people. But okay. our mailroom pool was kind of small. Okay. And then like the partners and the higher-ups would, you know, look elsewhere. Okay. So he he didn't like anyone in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. So he told HR, like, let's find someone else, but they have to have experience on a desk before. Yeah. And not many people want to go work at an agency if they do have right. desk totally. experience. Yeah. But then we found someone who worked at a commercial agency who was okay. looking to, to get into features. Okay. And she was great. And then I started training her. And then my boss the whole time said, you can stay as long as you want. Like, we'll just we'll just train her for, for weeks and weeks kind of thing if it doesn't work out. And that's what ended up happening. How long? Seven weeks. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and she was... I trained my replacement for like a couple of days. Yeah. And the funny thing was, like, there was enough stuff to train her for yeah. for so long. Well, because it's always, like, one of those things that you'll always find things that you can teach someone. But if you only have, like, a week, then you'll just squeeze it in. It's, like, trial by fire. They'll just figure it out. And I trained for, like, two days. Yeah. So so then what happened at the end of... Yeah. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) What happened at the end of the seven weeks? So at the... I was kind of having a hard time going, you know, into week six or seven. Because I was like, why the fuck do I not have a job? Yeah. And at this point, I was like... Oh, I am good enough for for that. Yeah, whatever. You yeah, know? you like, lowered your standards. Yeah, so I wasn't me. just interviewing for my dream jobs. I was like, this is what I want to. Yeah. Not this is what I want to do, but you know, I'll I'll try yeah. these things. Yeah. And for me, also, I was on a features desk, and I was looking to do TV, which I was kind of getting a lot of backlash for um, meeting with people in the TV space. By backlash, you just mean people weren't receptive to the fact that you people, were People, yeah, people were like, oh, if you wanted to be in TV, why weren't you on a TV lit, TV lit desk? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it, it just didn't it, work yeah, out Normally that you don't have that much of a choice. Yeah. Interesting. So, so what did you do? How, how did you eventually have to leave? So... I guess I said I was going to start floating. Yeah. Because I was just kind of sitting there at yeah. that point. Um, so I told HR, oh, I'll, I'll just go float when you need um, when you need an extra floater or whatever. And then I'll also be around to help my department if they need anything. And so then I did that for a little bit. And then How it, long? Maybe three weeks. Okay. And then I was kind of like, 
I need to leave. Yeah. You know, and... Why? I think agencies are very toxic environments in the way of everyone's like, oh, what what are you doing? What what happened? Did you get fired off your desk? Yeah. Did... Why can't you get a job? Why... Yeah. You know, and it's it's like all this pressure totally. of people like asking what you're doing yeah and this is like a really low a low point for me because I'm like what is wrong with me that I can't get a job yeah I'm covering people's desks what I did when I started, started in the mail so you room. felt like you had and a it, zero sum in a way yeah and it's it's like I had worked so hard on this desk I had you know great rapport with a lot of the agents at the company and with other assistants like everyone was like yeah I can count on to to do this and it's kind of like oh what's what's going on with her now you know yeah I mean it's it's hard and and agencies in general aren't warm and and friendly places no and it's that that judgment is super intense because at the agency I worked at a lot of people did get fired off desks or certain desks kind of had um an expiration date, if that makes sense. Like, you do that yeah. just for a year and then bye. So, I feel like just going back to the mailroom, if there wa- if there wasn't any judgment, because at the agency I was at, it would have been a mailroom. Like, would be mm-hmm. fine, because it would be so easy. But the fact that you feel like everyone is kind of ju- silently judging you or whatever, it's like, I can't do this, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So then you said okay, I'm leaving and I'm going to look for a job outside of here. Yeah. Was that a pretty easy decision for you to make or did you struggle with it? And and I kind of struggled, oh, should I go float or should I just leave? And, you know, all my friends and family were like, don't leave without a job. My boss was like, don't leave without a job. Um, But it just... It wasn't happening for me. And, and I think... No, no, go. Oh, I think that when you know you have to leave, you have to leave. Because for me, when I realized I had to leave my job, it was like a friend used the metaphor. Because I was struggling with it a little bit, but I knew I wanted to do it. And she was like, it's kind of like when you're in a relationship and in your head you start to decide that you don't want to be with that person. It's You're never going to come back from that. You've already made the decision consciously or not that you need to break up with that person and then you just kind of have to do it. Does that yeah. make sense? No, exactly. And, and in a way, it's like you have to break up with your job because it's not... Um, you know what? This is my college calling me and asking me for money. So they obviously don't know that I don't <laughs> have any. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, That I think, where it's just like I, I know what I need and what's best for me and it's hard because it might not be the logical choice, but... And I think with relationships and with <laughs> jobs, the one thing you want to do when you leave your relationship or your job is leave with grace and yeah. have an ending and have yeah. closure. Yeah. And that's, you know, what else could you want? But it never really happens that way. I mean, so you feel like you didn't leave with grace or closure? Well, I felt like... Also, who I had a relationship with Grace? <laughs> well, I mean, I felt like I kind of had one arm in the door, like one foot in the door. Yeah. I was trying to leave, so 
it was like trying to run away, but your foot stuck. And yeah, and I just wanted, I wanted the normal thing that other people had. Oh, I got a job. I trained for two weeks. I had a goodbye party. I think, and I left. And I, yeah, I I agree because it's also the community at an agency is so weird, and it's so crowded with assistance so someone's always leaving and it's always a huge celebration there's always like a party at the office and when you're miserable as an assistant you just kind of dream about that moment you're like I can't imagine the joy that I'm finally going to feel when I find my perfect job and everyone gets me like a cake and champagne and we all celebrate so in a way you're like I've been working for this moment. Why isn't it happening? Yeah, and you go around and and say to all the people in the room, like, the impact they've had on your life or, you know, like... that's very touchy-feely. We didn't do that. That sounds both beautiful and frightening. We had a very small department. Uh, And we were... Everyone was really close, like, the agents and assistants. And I felt like it was a way to, to say, oh, maybe we weren't that close but I really respected your work ethic and you know what I mean whatever yeah so did so I never got that you didn't have a goodbye party (laughs) no because I it was it was just weird and yeah there was also a lot of shame involved yeah you know do you feel like that was now with the therapist that I can yeah (laughs) let's talk about your trauma (laughs) so okay Do you feel like, now I'm just curious, I don't know if this is helpful to anyone, but do you feel like your shame was more self-imposed or do you feel like that was actually a thing that people were judging you for? Um, I think in general I'm a more sensitive person and, and I, and I'm a people pleaser, um, but... I think in actuality with, you know, Mike's circumstances, I was in a department that didn't align to what exactly I wanted to do. There were multiple situations that the stars just didn't align. And that's just how life goes. And I'm really lucky in so many ways with my life. And I can't get down on myself, I guess, so much for that I had trouble getting a job. But it's it's just hard to to have high expectations for yourself and not meet them and Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I in in this kind of like community not community, career path, whatever you want to call it. Industry. I think industry industry is my word. (laughs) You can't, you, so much of it is out of your control because there's so few jobs and there's so many weird power dynamics that you are, you find yourself in those situations more where your expectations aren't met. So I think that's probably true to anything. And I also think it's such a image based for thing. sure and your job is such a currency I was talking about that with someone today especially it's in so entertainment true. whatever your job is is even in social functions that aren't related they're not like networking but a lot of people are in the industry I feel like what your currency is is what your job is so for me since I don't have right now a traditional job mm-hmm. 
I find those really challenging. But I also recognize that that's at least 50%, probably more me. You know what I mean? Like I'm imposing those on myself because of like the structure of how I perceive entertainment. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm sure it was a combination of things. Yeah, definitely a combination. I mean, and it's interesting, like in this town, you know, talking about your job as your currency. Yeah. It's almost like high school, like, oh, who are you associated with? And yeah, it's so, it's so gross. It's so gross. I will say (laughs) that when I did have good jobs, there was something oddly, like not having been like a cool kid in high school or something, there's something that's kind of like, oh, like I'm a cool kid here now. And I feel like a lot of people take that way too far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and if they're an assistant working to this heavy hitter producer, yeah. they're, everyone wants to get drinks with them. Yeah. You everyone know? wants to get drinks with them and do favors for them. And I've talked with other people on this podcast about it before, but it's like people who try to transfer their boss's status onto themselves, you know, yeah. and they think that, oh, since I work for so-and-so, that means that like, I'm basically a part of that success or I'm a part of that person. Um, yeah. And it's like, no, you just answer their phones <laughs> and finish their calendar. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. So, and then the, and you kept, just to get back to this whole process, you kept going on interviews when you weren't at the agency though. The interviews didn't stop, right? Yeah, the, the interviews didn't stop. I definitely, when I left, took a little bit of time for myself because I think, you know, my self-worth was... yeah down the drain a little. You're in a valley. Yeah. I I mean, I was, and it's okay to say you're having a hard time or you were having a hard time, whatever it, you know, may be. But so yeah, I took a few weeks. I was doing some freelance stuff so Mm -hmm. I could pay for my rent. Freelance script reading. Yeah. Freelance script reading, which was great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and just an easy way to, to make money and also... I'm a, I love to read, so it's yeah. easy for me. Yeah. Um, and it's basically developing a development skill. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, for me, going into interviews, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I left because I wanted to kind of hone in on my yeah. development skills. It's all about I, your narrative, right? It's all about your personal <laughs> well, yeah, pitch. Yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't on a literary desk. Yeah. Which was also throwing people off for... What kind of desk were you on? Production. Okay. Yeah. So people are like, oh, do you read scripts? Oh, mm-hmm. why do you want to do this? Yeah. And, and I guess choosing a desk at an agency, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that this was like a defining moment in your, in your career. <laughs> Sorry, we're trying to swat the fly. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's interesting because it, it is and it isn't, right? Like people from any type of desk, can get any kind of job, but it's definitely easier if you happen yeah. to be on a desk that's more uh, directly relates to where you go. Yeah, yeah. and as advice to to everyone out there tuning <laughs> the in, <listeners. laughs> all the listeners, I think that it's really important um, if HR or whoever it is is pushing you to to take a desk, you need to be strong willed right. and say this is not necessarily what I want to do. Well, I was talking with someone else about this on the podcast is like at certain agencies, you don't have a choice there. It's mm-hmm. just, you're going for this interview. So people 
purposefully throw their interviews, which is a very questionable thing to do because do you ever really want to purposefully have a bad relationship with someone or put in less than ideal Also, I could never do that. Yeah, you're right? too good at interviews, no. which we'll get into later. <laughs> no, but I could never, like, I would... No, I know. I know. It's, it wouldn't be natural. Yeah. I would probably do it accidentally, so... <laughs> it probably it. work in the opposite way, like, yeah. instead of being, like, really uptight and, like... Yeah. I'd just be like, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then what was that process like after you... Um, took some time for yourself and you were doing that kind of side hustle and, or what? Yeah. So I, I was still constantly getting emails from friends at all the different agencies, which was great. Um, and then I just kind of kept on interviewing when there was a job I really wanted. I would still reach out to my boss to have them call or, or email or whatever. My old boss. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was he still pretty helpful to you? Because I, when, okay, when I left my last job, I thought I left on good terms with my boss. Who knows with men? Okay, so I thought <laughs> I left on good terms with my boss, and he was like, of course I'll continue to help you. But I felt like it was out of sight, out of mind, because then he just started ignoring my emails. I hope he's listening to this. There's no way, but it would be really cathartic for me. <laughs> well, there's there's so many different ways I could I could answer that. Was he helpful? Answer the truthful uh, way. <laughs> if he was listening or if he wasn't. Um, I think there's something with people in Hollywood. They love to help. Yeah. Call me for anything. Yeah. Text me for anything. I yeah. am always there for yeah. you. Especially agents because that's their job, right? It's to like hold the hands of... Yeah. People and to get people jobs. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a matter of like talking the talk or walking the walk. I mean, he was helpful, period. But did he really, at the end of the day, care? You know? Yeah. I think. We keep getting into this philosophical. I mean, as I always do that. I always no, make no. it go like really deep. Like no, no, I don't even know what good. I'm saying. But I mean, as philosophical as assistant conversations can get, I think sometimes when you have a boss, especially at an agency or somewhere where your boss is so reliant on you, you can develop a weird relationship where you think that you have a real relationship, and then you can be disappointed when your boss is not actually there for you yeah I'm sure you sorry I'm not necessarily saying in your circumstance in particular no 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 I mean he he was great throughout the whole process is kind of all I can say but exactly like out of sight out of mind yeah at the end of the day are they not able to sleep at night because their assistant doesn't have a job yeah and to be fair if someone's in there 15th year of agenting they've had definitely over 15 assistants yeah I had a boss who like could not remember half of her assistants probably more than that so um okay so you are going on these interviews like how many did you count how many you went on in the whole process um yeah I think at some point It was a lot. This feels like a number where I'm asking you how many people you slept with. <laughs> More interviews than people I slept with. Let's how just... many interviews? Um, 
It's a lot. Ballpark. Well, you don't have to be embarrassed because no one knows who you are. Um, I, I mean, I think like 40. What? <laughs> Wait, when you say 40 interviews, do you mean 40 open jobs or 40 interviews? I think for like 40 separate jobs. So the interviews then and were probably like, you were going on so many. Like 200. Oh my God. For sure. Yeah, okay, you're right? an interview expert and I'm so glad that you're on this show because you can tell us everything that you learned. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I mean... That is it's a crazy. it's a lot. It's crazy. It's the amount of time and and I mean, gas driving like, places and yeah. But I Good thing know, you have a Prius. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do have a Prius. But I feel like this is probably the best thing that's ever happened in my career. Because now you know so many. I people. know so much and like so many random things about like random stuff. You know, yeah. And like the I probably did fifteen scripts. For coverage. Oh, right. Like, so someone said, we liked your interview. Do coverage for us so we can see if our tastes align or yeah. whatnot. Interesting. So tell me more about that. Like, what did you learn from doing all these interviews? Um, were there certain things throughout the interviews that were standard that you noticed were just across the board very common questions or you know, having to do coverage, was that pretty standard? How did you prepare? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess for preparing, um, I felt like by the first 10 interviews, I kind of had my go-to answers for, you know, oh, like, where are you from? People, yeah. people like to chat. They say, like, oh, where are you from? Like, yeah. oh, what got you into to film and TV and yeah. people ask a lot about my hobbies. And yeah. They want to know you as a person yeah, they, a little bit. Yeah, they want to know yeah. you as a person. And some of the interviews were definitely more conversational. And then some of them were like, oh, who are your top five favorite directors and writers and what director was in director purgatory that you would want to bring out. So wait, that's a really hard question. What director is in director purgatory that you would save, basically? Yeah. But okay, okay, that's really hard because you have to your knowledge of maybe it's a good question. Your knowledge of directors has to be so strong that you know which ones are in purgatory. You know which ones are wrongly in purgatory or should be given a second chance and then you can talk about it. Like that's a Really hard question. Yeah, and it's also, you know, you need to think about this producer's slate and the kind of movies. Right, they so it has do. to be so within a, their lens. Yeah, and yeah. if if they're, you know, really into like Disney Channel movies, like you can't like yeah, throw who's out in the, the <laughs> people who are directing those are directing them because they're in purgatory. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, so, I'm just kidding. I'm so there's so many. I don't know. So, questions like that, I feel like I prepared. Did you come up prepared. with an answer, or did you, did you know? Were you able to answer that easily? Yeah. So that that interview, they did like a little Quizlet. They said what, um, what director and director purgatory. They, oh, this was like written. No, no, no. They just oh, were like, okay, are you ready like for quiz. your rapid fire quiz? Oh. And they said, so they said that question. They said what director do we not know um that that one I feel like people have a little more prepared yeah Yeah. and then like what franchise 
if you could remake a franchise. So many, like, random questions. Wow. So. Um, So how did you prepare for those kinds of interviews? Or just in general? So I guess just in general, I would just write down all the time, like, directors and writers I was interested in. You know, whenever I watched something, I would just try and pay attention to, you know, the stylistic things. Um, And whenever I saw a movie, like, if I loved it, I would just, you know, make sure I knew who directed it so I could speak about it. Yeah, which is a good learning experience for you because then you're developing kind of your directory of people. Exactly. And, I mean... I'm, I guess it's interesting with writers and directors, you know, what maybe script I liked, but I didn't yeah. like how the person directed it and yeah, reading scripts, oh, who would be an interesting director for the script that I had written, I had not written, <laughs> read, so. Interesting. Um, Lots of names to remember. Yeah, that's hard. I remember when I was interviewing for jobs, when I was leaving the agency, I'd try to keep, like, it was, like, an email in the drafts of my phone and just, like, list things so that I'd look at it before I went in just so that I, I'm really bad with names and I didn't just want to freeze in the interview, like, thinking of a director or writer but just not remembering their name. So it's, like, you have yeah. to, like, keep cheat sheets handy. Um, and with the blacklist, when I started to, to interview... I just went through and read a lot of the blacklist scripts. Oh, um, that's cool. And then a like lot from previous years. Yeah, scripts, so or like current trending scripts. Yeah, so I'd go through the 2017 oh, blacklist okay. winners, and I looked at all the log lines and who was producing them, and I was just aware in general of all the scripts on the blacklist. And then I read a bunch of them that sounded interesting. Yeah. And that was something I used a lot in interviews. Yeah, I think that's super useful for people who are just breaking in because the blacklist is a a list of the top unproduced screenplays from a certain given year. So there, there are 100, right? Or no, 25? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a really good resource because it's publicly available. At least yeah. the list. And then you can find the scripts, but normally the scripts are publicly available too. So if you're breaking into the industry and you haven't read a lot of scripts or you kind of want to develop your sense of what younger writers are coming up with now and that kind of stuff, because it's a lot of up and comers, Mm -hmm. then you can go and find that and read them. So I think that's a good resource for people to know about. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, a lot of the scripts, I mean, thinking a few of my favorites, um, I don't know if they would be that great on screen. Yeah. But they're amazing on paper. Which is kind of in a lot of ways what the blacklist is. Because there's sometimes... Sometimes you're like, oh, this should get made. And then people... The blacklist gets it publicity and it does get bought and made. But sometimes it's just like, this is such good writing. So it's more of just like a sample for the writer. And they can get momentum based off it. So it is interesting. Um, And kind of speaks to why samples are sometimes people's best scripts because they don't have the confines of, like, what's commercial. Definitely. Um, So what were the actual interviews like? Obviously, there was a huge range, I'm sure. They were all very different. A lot of them had a lot of rounds. Yeah. Were there a couple that stand out in your head that you could just kind of walk us through? Yeah. Um, I should have brought my my list. I have a list of, oh. of everything and all the people I've met. Oh, that's I've actually met, really so, smart. That which you is have good. That. Yeah. Um, 
There was one... This is just kind of funny. There was one interview I had with the head of the drama department at a really um, prominent network. And I walked in. I was like, hi, how are you? She's like, are you a comedian? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And she's like, oh, my God, you're so funny. And Wait, because you said, hi, how are you? Yeah, it was, I, I wish think, people said that to me. <laughs> I just, my comedy career going? <laughs> I just, I think I walked in and I was really like, hi, like, so nice to meet you. And maybe just a little. It was funny. To, I don't, I don't know, Rachel. That's hilarious. And, and, and she was like, oh, so you're at blank agency. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, are you ready to leave? And I was like, oh, like, you betcha. And then. Had you left already? No, no, okay. it was when I was still there. It was, it was earlier on in the you interview. You betcha. Yeah, and and then the whole time... So you're Sarah Palin impersonation. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then we just kind of like were chatting. She didn't ask anything about like directors or writers. Yeah. She asked like what my parents do. Uh, what, people love to ask what it. your parents do. I, I sometimes feel like they're just trying to make sure that like you're wealthy enough to be able to, like, not get paid. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? It's, like, or that so you can, classist. Like, take the shit. It's, like, what, yeah, what did? What do your parents do? And it's, like, you better not say something that's, like, not acceptable. It's, like, what, how is this an interview question? Sorry. I get real heated about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and so it was probably, like, a 15-minute interview. She asked what my sister does, and I talked about really? my sister's uterus art, which comes, <laughs> comes up a lot. Yeah, I, I almost just plugged your sister's uterus art, but it might give your identity away. If anyone wants to buy some awesome uterus art, just hit me up. I'll, I'll give you the info. It's great. It's great. <laughs> um, I should probably carry her her business cards when I go yeah. to interviews. Yeah. People are like, oh, what? And then I can't pull out my phone and show them Instagram, but, you know. But, yeah, so that was a really fun interview. Um, what happened with it? I mean, I, I just didn't get it. I, I did coverage for her afterwards. I knew the assistant to her, and she messaged me on Facebook being like, oh, my God, she loved you. She was laughing so much. I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get this one. Yeah. And then I had interviewed with actually two different people at that company for two separate positions. Wow. And, um. And the other one had sent me a really long email that I didn't get it saying, you know, you were great, blah, blah, blah. And I think this, the one who thought I was a comedian, what'd she say? She was like, you're a, she said, oh, what was it? I should pull it up. Oh, she said, you're a dynamo, XX. You're a dynamo? Oh, this wasn't your rejection. This was just. Yeah, so I, I sent her a thank you letter. And then you said, you're too kind. Looking forward to hearing from you. Well, I, what do you respond Nothing. when someone's like, you're a dynamo, XX? Wait, can I read what your thank you email was? I feel like that's helpful. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut it that, that was a bad one, though. Oh, do you want to pull up a good one? And then we can do it I later. I felt when, when I was writing coverage for people, I wouldn't write them as thorough of a thank you note. Oh. But then when I didn't write but What coverage, about this one as just like a, an, a short one? Yeah. Okay. Hi, head of network lady. Thanks so much for taking the time to meet with me today. You are great, and I enjoyed how candid you were about what the job entails. That's good. Was she giving you the, the dirty deeds? <laughs> um, I'm excited for this opportunity. I hope you would see from our conversation that I'm willing to go above and beyond to get the job done. 
thinking ahead on lunch included. I love this. I will be <laughs> sending my coverage through later tonight, so please let me know if you have any additional questions for me. Best podcast guest number seven or eight. Um, yeah, this is really good. I feel like this is the same email that I sent people. It's just like kind of reiterating something from the meeting and why you're interested. Yeah. In. So that was a more um, basic one. Is she, is she very picky about her lunch? Well, she was just saying, like, I need someone who knows if yeah. I need to eat. That's a nice, cute little thing to throw yeah. in. I liked it. I like I like to think I, I... I just love that then she responded, so great meeting you. You're a dynamo. XX. Yeah, like, I don't know. So. And then what's, what's an example of one that you felt maybe wasn't going as well? Okay, so... I love to do yoga mm-hmm. and work out, mm-hmm. and especially, that was such an annoying thing to say. Wow. <laughs> but So you think you're the only one in LA who loves to do yoga and work out? With my with my time, when you're working at an agency, yeah. I think I probably gained 30 pounds. Right. I never worked out. Yeah. And so when I had this break from an agency to go freelance, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to work out yeah. and, you know, take the time, whatever. And I had this one experience when I was interviewing to intern. So when I was a a junior in college. And I went to the gym. And then I did my, like, Skype interview. And I just was very anxious during it. So I was like, okay, rule of thumb. No working out. Because you have, like, endorphins, so it just makes you have more Yeah, energy. yeah. Okay. I, so no working out on the days of interviews. That was, like, my rule. On the... Oh, the whole day before? Okay. Before. I mean, Did no. So if my interview either? was at 11, I couldn't work out that morning. Okay. If my interview was at 7 p.m., I couldn't have worked out. And caffeine was kind of like a... So you can't yeah. even work out at, like, 9 in the morning and go to 7 no, p.m. No, 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 no. Oh, so, interesting. But, well, at least you recognize that about yourself. Well, yeah. But then oh. I went and worked out. And then this girl who I had worked with at this agency, she was working for this producer. And she wanted me to come in and meet with them that day. Yeah. So I just got on that, out of my sweaty yoga class. Yeah. And showered. And yeah. then I went to this interview. Although yoga shouldn't make you zen. I don't... Yeah. My body's, like, weird. I yeah. Just, and it's just interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was, like, a sculpt yoga class. Yeah, which so, is, like, more of a workout yeah. than, yeah. So then I went to this interview, and I met with the CE, creative executive, mm-hmm. and I was a little kind of awkward, nervous at first, um, but then halfway through, I was like, you know what, like, get your, get your shit together. I see those books on... The wall that I've read. Let's let's talk about them. Let's yeah. like get this going. I love inner. <laughs> so then we really got into it about reading. She loved to read. I love to read. We talked about my book club. We just really got into it. And then she was like, "Okay, I want you to meet the VP." I okay. was like, "Okay." Also, this office was really hot, like really hot. <laughs> so I thought for she, a second you'd be like, "It was so hot." But you mean it was no, like, like it was temperature hot. I was sweating. I was sweating. So There's no AC and I was already a little nervous. Yeah. A little my office doesn't have AC. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so then she took me in to meet with a VP and I sat there. And then he came and sat next to me, really close. That's weird. And he was like <laughs> That's he was, creepy. He was like, What kind of movies do you like? 
And he looked at me. He was just looking at me really intently. And I just started sweating bullets. Oh my like God. it was, and I, I, I think I was having some kind of a panic attack. And especially because this company, I was not interested in the movies they were making. Yeah. He was a big name, so I would have wanted to work for him. But, like, it was just not... I was not the audience. Yeah. And he, he asked me that, and I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to answer? Like, do I say I like the movie that I know you guys made when I hated it? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know, like, what came over me, but I just yeah. started sweating. Like, yeah. it was dripping oh, no. everywhere. So and sad. I just, like, had some kind of a panic attack. I couldn't speak. Like, my jaw was just clenched. It was the worst 10 minutes. It was awful. Wait, and so what happened? He just kept on asking me, like, oh, like, okay, what are your favorite directors? And I I don't even know what I were said. Were you silent or were you just, like, I was just like, something? oh, I don't really know. It, it was mortifying. It was absolutely mortifying. And then I went out, and then the girl who had liked me before was like, okay, I'm going to send you coverage, like, all this stuff. And she ended up sending it to me later on, and I, and I was just so mortified from that experience. I said, thank you so much, like, I, I won't be moving forward, or yeah, you whatever your, it was. yourself out of the running. Yeah, it was... Yeah, you can't go, like, <laughs> I feel like just going back in there, you would, like, freak out again. It's, yeah. like, such I, a bad memory. Yeah, it, it was... I don't know. And I don't know if it was the yoga or the heat. I mean, it sounds like also to me, and I don't know because I wasn't there, but it sounds pretty inappropriate for someone to sit so next to you. I mean, so close next to you. Like, that's that's, that's very intimidating as a woman, too. Yeah. Uh, Weird. Okay, yeah, that's very different than the lady who thought you were funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was your follow-up like, generally? In what way? Like, in terms of these interviews, did you normally just send a follow-up thank you? Did you have to check in with them periodically, or did people get back to you in a timely fashion? Like, what was the aftermath like? Yeah, I mean, for the first, as I said before, like, a lot of the rounds, a lot of the interviews I went on had multiple rounds. So, usually they told you when you were with them, if they were moving you on to the next round, or if they would have coverage for you. So usually they would say that and then they kind of gave you some kind of time period. Um, so I would usually send my thank you and then say looking forward to hearing from you regarding the next meeting or whatever it might be. Um, and then if I didn't hear from them or whatever, I would follow up again. And people were generally good at getting mm-hmm. back to me about, you know, this is the next round or, hey, we're sorry this didn't work out. What was the time frame generally? So I was interviewing for, like, producer jobs and development jobs, so, like, one to two months. These things were spanning. That's crazy. That's harsh, yeah. Because that's, like... I don't know. It's just a long time in the scheme of... Oh, yeah. And yeah. they they always said, oh, we're going to make a decision by next week. So weird. Yeah. Um, so... But so you were saying that oh. some people... I'm going to flip the script. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
that you were having some trouble with people not even responding to you. Oh, yeah. I noticed that sometimes, and it could just be a difference because I wasn't expecting things to take a month or two. I, I went on a job interview um, a while back where I thought it went really well. And it was also a job that I was overqualified for, which I think sometimes can hurt you too. I sent the nicest thank you email of my life. I had multiple people reach out, like important enough people that they shouldn't have been ghosted, who were ghosted, I think, by this person. And finally I followed up and she was like, oh yeah, we we hired someone. Bye. I don't know what she actually said. But yeah, I feel like I had... Also, applying to jobs sometimes just never hearing back, which I think was specific when I was at my last job, but I was interviewing to work for writers. I think they don't want to deal with rejecting you and they think that like silence is a no because that happened multiple times. And that's also on me for not following. I just didn't personally even really... I think it's hard to like seek out your own rejection in a way, which is sometimes what it's a total wrong perspective. And I had to get past this, but sometimes following up after it was clear, I hadn't gotten it, which is like asking for the rejection, but also in certain cases, not being passionate about the job. Yeah. So just like whatever, which I don't think is a good way to handle it either because you can always turn it down. So you might as well find out if you got it before you get in your own way. But those are things more like when I was interviewing for all that type of stuff. Um, It's just such a weird world that there's not a lot of respect, I think. Yeah, and I think when you're going on three different interviews and spending your whole weekend writing coverage for people. Yeah, and especially when, when you were writing coverage for people, that was also like your gig. Like you were getting paid to write coverage you know, to make money. And then you'd have to not do that and do the free coverage for interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because a lot of producers would have you cover a script that they were doing. Yeah. And then they would get your coverage and then call you in to interview. Yeah. And then they'd spend the interview talking about your opinion on this, the script that they're having trouble with. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you're giving them free development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, Which is like, oh, that's a great way to do it, but don't yeah. waste my time. I totally. am a person. <laughs> don't waste my time. <laughs> how, like, how did you take the rejection, personally? At the beginning, it was really tough. Um, you know, oh, what's wrong with me? why did this person get it over me? I had so many friends who went out for the same jobs as me and ended up getting them. That's hard. Yeah, which is really hard. And, you know, some that I had known about and told yeah. my friends about. And Yeah, <laughs> I do think that it it's always still good to tell your friends. I'm sure you agree. Yeah. It's like... And if not me, them. I'm yeah. so I'm so happy. Yeah, but in the moment, it's hard. Yeah, um, I think with time, you do learn to to deal with yeah. rejection in a better way. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough, and it's hard to not take it personally. And yeah. 
you know, I was always asking people the reason why. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, but I felt like they weren't valid enough reasons. I was told one job, I didn't get it because I wasn't diverse, which is fine, but I wish I hadn't gone in for the interview or, or covered two features for yeah, them. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's totally fine if that's your parameter, but why not be upfront about it? Yeah, yeah. and it just, I had spent so much time, yeah, I had, I had two people coverage, call. Yeah, I think the coverage thing is also hard. I think people should only ask for coverage if they're actually really considering you. Because I don't know if they realize how much time you spend on that. You spend, on job coverage, you spend so much longer than normal coverage because you just want it to be flawless. Yeah, and for people who are more perfectionistic, like, you you want it to be perfect. And yeah. you think, oh, I just need to make this perfect and then I'm going to get this job. Yeah. And I, I still wonder how much it is about the coverage for these jobs. And I've asked a lot of people specifically about my coverage. Do you have any notes for me um, about my coverage? And I've only gotten positive responses. I think your coverage can hurt you, but I think that it maybe doesn't help you, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that um, I've heard at a company that I used to work at, I heard people not getting jobs because their coverage wasn't good. But, it, like, if it was bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I once didn't get a job because I think I... I mean, this is the reason she gave, and it might not have been true, but I just took too hard a line on not liking a script that she liked. And she was like, I need someone whose judgment I can trust because they're going to be the gatekeeper for me. Which is fair. Well, and it was a bad script, so whatever. <laughs> well, and for that other script, I said that she called me in to talk to me about the script that they were actively developing, I hated the script. Yeah. I thought it was awful, period. I mean, yeah. I just didn't like it, and I I wonder if it's bad to, to talk about a script that this person obviously loves and is spending so much time on. I think it, a, if you can make it, like, more of notes. Like, if you can be productive and what you don't like about it because obviously they know that it's not perfect yeah but it's a super delicate line and it was great because some jobs had me do formal coverage but then other people had me do just a note stock yeah which, which is way yeah accurate. and like for for one of them I I was doing this script that they're actively developing and so you for the note stock, you can kind of just put lines of stuff they can change or character de de development, whatever it is. And the last line of mine was, can the assistant have a name? Because one of the assistants in the script oh, just didn't have a name. And I was like, oh, this, this is a that's good little... funny and sassy. Yeah. So. I like that. Um, so, I mean, it's a success story. Tell us about how, about getting your job then that you just started a few weeks ago. So I ended up getting a job. It was kind of in a week that I had done other interviews. It was kind of just like a random job interview I had taken. Um, you mean you, it wasn't something you were seeking out? It just kind of... Yeah, it just yeah. kind of happened. And I felt like the interview was kind of the same as 
all the other interviews I had gone on, um, it wasn't really that standout-ish. Oh, interesting. And then... Just got to show. Yeah, and I got it. And After one interview? It was two interviews. Okay. And it was kind of like anticlimactic. No, I didn't do coverage. That is funny. That is an anticlimactic end that you did so many intense interviews and like highs and lows and coverage. And then this yeah. one. I mean, I think it just goes to show like when it happens, it happens. Exactly. And that was really deep. When it I, happens, it happens. Well, and it was just kind of crazy because I was like, no, like, do I even want this if I haven't like done if coverage or like cried it? over it or yeah. Yeah. like fought for it? And I was waiting for this other job, which I had done like four interviews over two months. I had done coverage and I knew because I kind of had an inside scoop that it was between me and another person. Uh And so I kind of just wanted to check in on that one because I felt like that one was something I was, you know, actively, you know, running for. And I told them that you had an offer else. That I had an offer. And I was just like, do you guys know, you know, what your, your deal is? And they had, they were supposed to make a decision like a week ago and they responded to me immediately saying, oh, wow, like we don't want you to, you know, miss out on another opportunity, but we loved you. Like we just have some moving pieces on our end. Um, uh, yeah. You know, this whole, this yeah. whole thing. So it's, and it's just such a weird situation. And, you know, I had this other offer and I'm not going to, you know, no, especially after all the craziness that yeah. you But I feel like the other place that they are gung-ho about hiring you would have told Exactly. You. And if they yeah. could, they should have been able to make a decision. That's not a good sign. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can send a really nice email to someone saying, you know, we loved you, whatever. Yeah. People are But show me the service. money. Yeah. But yeah, show, show me the money. So... I, you know, told them that I was going to accept the other job. And it's, I mean, it's great. Yeah, and you like it so far? You've been, you're two weeks in, right? One week? Yeah, one weekend. Oh, so I just started. Yeah, so, so great. Yeah. Would you ever be the type of person who would start a job and then get a better offer and leave the job after being there for a week or two? I don't think I could do it. I think it'd be really hard. I think it'd be hard. It's probably not worth all the burn bridges. But I know people have done that. That's just why I was wondering. I feel like I should be able to do it. I know. It's like, like, wait, you you don't don't sign a contract. You sign, like, at will that they can fire you at any time. Yeah, and you need to put yourself first. Yeah. Well, you mentioned tears, which is something I always like to ask. For you, it's two-part. At any of your assistant jobs, did you you ever cry in the bathroom? Also, oh, I cried at my desk all the time. Oh, wait. So you would just cry and people would just be walking by? Oh, yeah. Did they know you were crying? Yeah. You were just, you were just in it. Yeah, I, I cried Walk a lot. me through this. Um, I'm really sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> As I've said before. Um, yeah, I just, I really, I really care what about people. What were the instances that... Um, my boss didn't yell at me, but he would kind of scold me. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks. And he just had really high expectations of his assistant. I was dealing with stuff like 7 a.m. on a Saturday, and he had a client that I was, like a, a client that I was texting, oh, 7 a.m., 
you need to be here or this is what you need yeah. to do. Like it was That's a almost constant. like crossing over into being the client's assistant. Yeah. He didn't have a personal assistant. So I was basically his personal assistant. Um, and he was my boss's pride and joy. So every little thing with him was so yeah. live or die. Um, yeah, that's a problem with representation. Yeah. And, and I just, if, if I felt, yeah, I just cried a lot. No, I get it. It's like you, something small happened and then you got scolded and then you felt bad and cried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did people say anything when they'd see you crying at your desk? Yeah. Yeah. People were, were nice. I love that you just don't have embarrassment about that. I mean, I was kind of in a little corner, which was good. Everyone, you should be Everyone in my department cried a lot. Oh, that's horrible. There were, there were very high, high standards. So what about tears in the interview process? Hopefully you never cried in the room. I never cried in the room. <laughs> no. I guess I... I guess I didn't really cry after learning I didn't get them. Oh, that's impressive. I, I, I'm very quick to cry when I don't get a job. Really? Yeah. It's embarrassing, but it's just like... there were. It's something about rejection. I just take it super personally and sometimes I just feel so frustrated by the process yeah I mean I more cried because I was frustrated and just like overall what's wrong with you kind of thing but it wasn't like specific instances yeah it was more like there was one time that I had like four interviews four last round interviews in a week I had done like three bouts of coverage I'd done the coverage and been called into an interview so that meant like oh, they like my coverage enough to bring me in. And I was like, this is the week. Like, I'm going to get a job. Yeah. It was right around my birthday. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go in, like, have a birthday and going away party, whatever. Yeah. And then I found out, like, the same day I didn't get all of them. And it was just kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, I feel like people either lean into, like, it's a sign it wasn't meant to be or just, like, a little bit of upset yeah I mean that's hard that's really hard I I think it's certain rejections are hard too when you don't understand them when you feel like they hired someone who was less qualified than you which you never know the full story but I think that is part of the reason I can get pretty upset yeah um I'm trying to think is there, is there any advice that you have to people going through this process? I think specifically just like between the agency or whatever that entry level job is and then getting your next assistant job. Do you have any advice for that process or interviews in general? I think that you need to have really tough skin. Thick skin? Thick skin. You need to I have think really it should be tough too. <laughs> tough and thick skin. I personally, as I have said many times before, so far, I'm very sensitive. Yeah. Um, I feel like I am good in an interview, but I'm also a people pleaser, and I want to go in and show them like what I think they want to see, which you shouldn't do because you need to be your true self, as lame as that sounds. Like they want to hire you for you, 
And, and also that's how you're going to stand out and be interesting. Yeah, you don't need to put on a show or, or tell them like yeah. the movies you like because that's what they yeah. want to make. Um, that's hard. And I think that, you know, starting at an agency, you should try and be in a department that you think will lead to your next yeah. job. Although for me, I don't think I would have done it another way because I learned about something that I think is only going to... Production. Yeah, production, which yeah. I think is going to be so great for me to know about. Yeah, especially if you go into producing. Or, yeah. yeah. And I think you kind of need to sell in a room that maybe this wasn't... You weren't on a lit desk or whatever, but you are still reading everything you know who well, all of these writers and directors like are. I think reframing something as a, as a pro, right? Or as a pitch. Yeah. Right? Like... You might think, I mean, never phrase it, it's like, you might think it's a detrimental that I worked in production, but don't put that part in. But then say, like, <laughs> working in production has allowed me to learn all these things about producing that I, I mean, all the obvious stuff, right? Whereas um, it's, sometimes it's just so much how you frame it. Yeah. And I think with time, I, I probably got better at that. But then I think when it gets down to being between you and one other person, they pull out the resumes and they say, oh, this person yeah. might make more sense. Yeah. Um, but in, I could have given up. It's It was a lot of months. and Did you ever think about going into something else? Yeah, I was looking up, like, it, how to be a therapist. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and I, it was like, oh, six years of going to grad school and stuff. Um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll, like be a personal trainer and, like, get really fit. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I definitely, like, thought about it. But with every interview I took and all the scripts kind of surrounding that that I read and everything I learned from these interviews, it's like, I fucking know a lot about... You know so much more than if you had just done, like, three interviews and gotten a job. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've learned so much that now it's kind of, like, would be a disservice to myself to not do it because... What, what was the point of yeah. all of that? That's awesome. Although, if you were a therapist, it would be pretty good for, like, guesting on people's podcasts. You could have your own podcast about therapy. Well, I was also thinking, like, I'd want to be a therapist to assistants or people in this industry. I mean, it's a very specific <laughs> thing, right? Because it's hard to talk about with people who don't get it. So that would be so valuable. Yeah. Oh, we could be such a dynamic duo. I mean, just saying, if you do it on the side. Yeah. Yeah. The side hustle. Were there any, like, were there any funny stories that happened while you were interviewing? So there was one interview that I was sitting with this executive. Really big name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask you who later. (laughs) And, and so we were sitting, he was across from me and I hear this, this noise. And what was the noise? <laughs> it was a fart. They farted? Are you sure? Yeah. Was it a chair squeak? No, it fart? was, it was definitely a fart. And Did you smell it? <laughs> like a little bit. Uh-huh. And I think. I talked to my mom about it afterwards. That's and it's totally like a male masculinity thing. Why? Because like, men. You think he was power farting <laughs> you? Ew. 
Because men, I think like men want that want that they have this power and want that they can do this thing and that no one will comment because no one's going to say, hey, sir, did you just fart? He power farted. That's disgusting. <laughs> I feel like... If but I just think- farted and owned it, I would have so much more respect than he was just like, <laughs> hmm, I'm going to fart and make this girl uncomfortable. <laughs> have you ever seen anyone do that? Fart and own it? Yeah. All the time. Like in a professional setting? I guess not. I think it's a really uncomfortable thing that people can do to you. It's like with everything with Me Too right now, you know, all these like uncomfortable power moves (laughs) that these older men play. Like, how old was this guy? Like 50? 45? Interesting. Did you smell it? Did I already ask you that? Yeah, a little bit. (sighs) It was just a little like, what, did, what was your response? It was a little musty. Well, musty. of course, like, I just get awkward because I'm like, yeah. what is going on that this guy is farting in a room yeah. and not acknowledging it? Yeah. And that's... Hashtag me too. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, sharing all your interview expertise. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. A big thank you to this week's guest. Um, By the way, I know a few episodes ago we talked about how some assistants do a side hustle to supplement making almost no money as an assistant. This week's guest has an awesome side hustle I figured I'd plug. Um, You can check it out on Instagram at Wild Letters where she's making um, felt letter boards, which are like those – trendy things you see you can see it on the instagram that she's going to be launching on amazon so check it out um thanks again if you haven't already done so make sure to rate and subscribe and review the episode follow us on social media at talk to my assistant and check out the website for blog posts that go with every episode um the theme song lyrics by me music by ryan hegan cover art by chelsea javier and see you guys in two weeks